0: If you're lucky, Santa Muerte comes but once a year. I'm Torrin Atkinson. I
1: think I'll steer clear of Death's vagina, thanks. I'm Joe Fulgen.
2: Play chess with Death? I think we got a few better ideas. I'm Kevin Leeson, and this is Caustic Soda. (laughs)
1: Death, the fourth horseman. The big sleep. The big sleep. The word origin of death comes from Old English dead. Death, dying, cause of death. This comes from Proto-Indo-European stem du, meaning process, act, or condition of dying.
2: I can imagine that, you know, your first word in modern language is like dirt. Yeah. And then after that, it is mine. And, then, and I just then kill, then kill, and then and then dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. those are like the first four words.
1: Uh, we've talked about this before, but the, there are a couple of fears of death. Necrophobia is a specific phobia, which is the irrational fear of dead things, as well as things associated with death, like coffins and tombstones. Right. Okay. And thanatophobia is the fear of things associated with or reminiscent of death and mortality, such as the corpses and graveyards.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. So pretty much the same thing. Yeah. What about mortophobia? I would think that mortophobia would be something. Oh, would it? I don't know. No, that's a fear of old Jewish men? Yeah. Mort. Mortomorphobia.
1: <laughs> Mort, come here and say hello. Ah! Ah! I can't do it. <laughs> don't make me. That's when Mort is scared of everything. <laughs> No, that's
2: not a phobia. That's just the natural state of being.
1: So this episode, we're going to be talking mostly about the anthropomorphic personification of death. So death when it takes a human or human-like form. Yes. Yeah,
2: I mean, that's what makes it the Four Horsemen series and exactly. not just the, uh, you know... And death
0: rode a pale horse, as I would that's call That's
1: right. I, I have the quote from Revelation 6, verses uh, 7 to 8. When the lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come and see. I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death, and Hades was following close behind him. Mm. They were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth.
0: And the fruit bats and sloths. I would like to see the map. Of the what fourth of the earth? That's right. Was given to death.
2: Yeah, I will. I you know I like I like the fact that Hades is following him, right? Mm-hmm. Like that they threw in like a Greek mythological well, uh, to the Bible. in the Bible. They,
1: Hades it means hell. It means the place oh. of the dead. So it's basically death is coming and hell's coming with them.
2: Oh, that that's the so, name of a movie right there. Death's coming to town and and hell's coming with them. I'm
1: pretty sure that's what the line in Tombstone is a reference to. And
3: hell's coming with me. <laughs> You tell him I'm coming, and hell's coming with me. You hear? Hell's coming with me.
4: Was oh, that okay. shout?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it's basically saying, "I'm death. I'm gonna come and kill you all. I am the fourth horseman." I like it. Now, yeah. I, and I, we referenced
2: early on in like episode one of the four horsemen series. I think that pale in the original language was kind of a greenish hue that it had, kind of that double uh, translation right. from the uh, you know original. Okay, Language he's typically shown
1: as a as a white or very light gray horse these yes. days. Death is the only rider who's explicitly named in Revelation. Unlike the other three, he's not described carrying a weapon or any other object. Uh, instead, not he's just followed by Hades. He is commonly depicted carrying a scythe, like the Grim Reaper, sword, or other implements. The concept of death as a sentient entity has existed in many societies since the beginning of history. Uh, in English, death is often given the name Grim Reaper, and from the 15th century onwards came to be shown as a skeletal figure carrying a large scythe and clothed in black cloak with a hood.
4: Mm-hmm. So,
1: I would think that yeah, death is probably one of the first things you have to create some kind of mythology about. Yeah, well, I mean you imagine that the first when you that you know, because everybody dies, yeah. right? You know, everybody poops and everybody dies. And usually, you would probably see like, oh, that saber-toothed tiger got him and tore him apart, and that's why he doesn't work anymore. <laughs> but sometimes people would just like die, like just dunk. Yeah. And as proto-rational beings, we probably w- were like, uh, every other time we've seen things happen, it's something's done it. Yeah, there's
2: been a cause and effect. What,
1: what did this? We d- I can't see anything. Oh, maybe oh something that we can't
2: see yeah. came in while he was sleeping and plucked him from his mortal coil.
1: We had better make up some semi-comforting stories about this thing we can't see (laughs) so we can move on. Nothing's
0: more comforting than a skeleton in a a robe. With a scythe.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, it's the the evil thing that you know and the evil thing that you don't know, I guess. Yeah. Uh... In some cases, the Grim Reaper can actually cause the victim's death, leading to tales he can be bribed, tricked, or outwitted in order to retain one's life, such as the case of Sisyphus. Other beliefs hold that the specter of death is only a psychopomp, which is a word that means spirit guide. I know it's, oh, it's a A psychopomp. It sounds like a parade. It, it does. sounds like the worst parade
2: ever. <laughs> psychopomp <laughs> in circumstance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I'm
0: having a psychopomp.
2: <laughs> it sounds like a parade that has like a lot of those like really spinny, kind of like twirly-whirly things with the the uh, spiral uh, um, images on it that so makes you think you're going to get hypnotized. Or it sounds
0: now. like a haircut that like Jello Biafra would have. <laughs>
1: Ooh, or the I'm sporting ha-
0: the psycho pump.
1: the psycho The psychopompador? <laughs> yeah. So I've got a few of the more caustic or interesting gods of death and representations of death throughout history here that I'd like to go through. Some of them I'm just going to mention briefly. Mm-hmm. The earliest that I found is from 3000 BCE, the Mesopotamian, Sumerian, Akkadian goddess Erishkigal. Erishkigal, mm-hmm. okay. Erishkigal is the sister of Ishtar. And is so terrifying that the Sumerians never described her in detail, though the Babylonians said that when she was enraged, her lips were black and her face was a livid blue. Oh, oh blue. Is that what the
2: term going blue in the face? Is I
1: maybe. Yes. Or, or maybe that's Ancient where she's- Ancient Sumerian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she got angry till she was blue in the face. I, I think that maybe she's blue in the face for the same reason. Oh,
0: okay. I thought it was because you were choking on a boat. <laughs> And your face actually went blue. It's pretty
1: easy to choke in a bone when you're the goddess of death. I think. it's yeah. Probably they're probably all over the it's place.
0: That's all you eat. he <laughs> died of bones. So they they basically got my calcium.
1: They left uh,
2: all of very explicit uh, descriptions on the table. So she was like the early version of Cthulhu. You know you can't. She's indescribable. indescribable yeah.
1: yeah. In artwork from this period, she's shown as a naked winged goddess standing on a lion with owls flanking her sides.
2: <laughs> standing Hot. on a lion with owls flanking your sides. Yeah. Ooh, those are the best slippers ever.
1: <laughs> uh, again, this being a, you know almost 5,000 years ago, it was interesting to see that this actually also has the g- dealing with the spirit of death. Uh, uh-huh. the, there's a story of Ishtar going to Irkala, which is the netherworld, and Erishkigal, is her sister, presides over it. Erishkigal traps Ishtar in her dark kingdom, and Ishtar is only able to leave it by sacrificing another in her place. Ishtar discovers that her husband, Dumuzi, rather than mourning her loss, had been celebrating her absence with wine, women, and song. Oh, nice. <laughs> the old ball and chain. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! The wife's gone! Time to party!
2: No, it's like my wife is at her sister's place, and you know she's never <laughs> getting out of there, right? You know, it's just nothing but like guilt and recrimination. I'm going hog
1: wild! Honey, I thought you were just visiting. <laughs> She immediately said, Yeah, you know, once you're out of the plane of mortal existence, it doesn't count. Yeah, that's right. It's the mortal existence plane rule. What happens in the mortal plane stays in the mortal plane. (laughs) I I guess. When you were in Erkala, the netherworld, I can do what I
2: want. Well, you know, I mean, uh, when you're talking about creatures that cross planes of existence, you know, Earth would be kind of like Vegas, I guess.
1: (laughs) Exactly, yeah. So, of course, Ishtar selects him Mm -hmm. uh, to (laughs) suffer in his place. But eventually she does pity him and works out an arrangement with Arish Kagal so that he only has to stay in hell for six months of the year.
2: Oh, only six months out of the year. It's like a vacation. It's like a uh, one of those limited visas to America. <laughs>
0: uh, you know what I
2: find that interesting? My paperwork went through. You know what I find interesting? Because uh, not that I'm like really up on all my, you know, gods of death throughout history, but... I find it interesting that the earliest example that we can think of is actually is a female deity.
1: The representations of death tend to flip
0: flop. Uh, okay, it's almost it's equal opportunity. Uh, a psychopomp.
2: So is it really? It's like is is it just the difference between a matriarchal society and a patriarchal society? Like is it societal in nature? Do you think?
1: I, from what I've seen, death is usually represented male, and and my history is terrible, so some, somebody mm-hmm. can correct me. But it seems to me that. Uh, death seems to be male when they have a life goddess. So to give the flip of like the goddess Earth. of life, they give the male god of death. Oh, like the two that aspects. happens in. We'll, we'll get to the Greeks, but they they totally have that, uh, and okay. other places do. But yeah, that it, makes sense. Uh, it it is pretty equal opportunity though. Okay, moving ahead to 1000 BCE, the Chinese mythology, uh, Yanluo, god of death in the underworld. Uh, he did originate from Yama in Hinduism and was adopted into the Chinese pantheon and eventually hmm. spread to Japan as an Enma-o and in Korea as Great King Yomna. Oh, wow. He made, made his round. That's right. In both ancient and modern times, Yanuo is portrayed as a large man with a scowling red face, <laughs> bulging eyes, and a long beard. <laughs> He wears traditional robes and a judge's cap. Again, there's that Chinese bureaucracy going on in their heaven. Uh Or crown, which bears the character uh, for king. He typically appears on Chinese hell money in the position reserved for political figures on regular currency. Oh, right. Hell money. Again, they have a bureaucracy in their underworld and their spirit world, so you've got to have money to run that bureaucracy, right?
0: right? (laughs) Well, I believe... Is this money that they have in the afterlife? This is money that you send via the Bernie Bernie to the afterlife... I'm not sure if you if you cremate it along uh, at the same time, or if you just send it like monthly payments. We well, no. got to burn some more hell notes to, <laughs>
2: yeah, because like his, alimony, his to, rent uh, is due. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. hold on a sec. But is okay? Hell money is that just regular real life money that when no. you burn it, it becomes hell money?
1: No, it, it kind of looks like play money.
0: Yeah, it's monopoly money that it's
1: you
2: cuz you want
0: your real money. You're not <laughs> that stupid.
2: See, so print up some money that yeah. is literally worth the paper it's with, printed with on. With death and the
0: in yeah. the as the starring uh, Yeah,
1: Yanuo is is on it instead of, you know, the queen.
0: Is big growler <laughs> or red face. You can put you can write as many no, zero as honored as you want. There's <laughs> okay. a million trillion dollars in hell money. So this is so kind of like... printing it up. This is kind of like
1: that trillion dollar uh, platinum
0: coin that coins are talking about doing right now.
1: That's right. This is how much I loved my dead wife. Here's a trillion dollar <laughs> oh, I hell money we Oh, we I
0: thought you were talking about the Canadian currency. You know, <laughs> we're phasing out the pennies, but bringing in the trillion dollar coins. So oh, one only, more coin that I have to um, deal <laughs> with in my pocket. The loonies <laughs> and the toonies.
1: Curious enough, I
0: don't think you're going to have to deal with it. I might find one on the street. He, uh, yeah. It's right
1: I wonder here. if back in
2: ancient China, anybody tried to pass like hell money as like real money. Like you have that stack of money. It's like, oh, yo, like 20 banknotes for that. Oh, okay. Here's, uh, here's, here's 20 banknotes. And you got to kind of like fold it over yeah, in wonder- a certain way, right? <laughs> You're just like, here. And then you grab the thing and you start like walking away really fast. They're flipping through and like, hey, there's only six, there's four hell notes in here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if it actually has like a real currency to it at some point. Like, yeah. Oh, like in the, in the marketplace? Yeah, like how much?
1: It is actually considered an insult to give hell money to a living person as a gift. <laughs> oh. You're going
0: to fucking die. You'll, here, you'll need this. <laughs>
1: yeah. You're going to need this in a minute. Is, is that the Chinese kiss of death? <laughs>
0: no, no. That's how you pick
2: a fight in a Chinese bar. It's an envelope Here's full of a little hell money. something for you. <laughs> but this is... <gasps> no, that's how you pick a fight in a Chinese bar. You're like, in about 18 seconds, you're going to need this because you're going to be <laughs> head to the afterlife.
1: Yuan Lo has a couple of assistants, Oxhead and Horseface, the fearsome guardians of hell. Oh, sure. They bring the newly dead before him for judgment. Men or women with merit will be rewarded good future lives or even revival in their previous life.
2: This sounds like new characters in a TMNT cartoon.
0: How many times do you think uh, Horseface has to deal with,
1: hey, why the long face? <laughs> I know, he's like, yeah, I get it, man. That's what about funny.
0: Oxhead? Heard it. What about, what about Oxhead? You know, Hey, yeah, Oxhead, why the long horns?
1: <laughs> You're so stubborn, Oxhead. No, I'm actually pretty reasonable. Come but, on. Whatever Jumping ahead to about 500-300 BC Ancient Greece has Thanatos Mm -hmm. Again another male The Greeks viewed death as inevitable And therefore didn't present it as purely evil Thanatos was often portrayed As a bearded and winged man But he's also been portrayed as a young boy Thanatos is the counterpart of life Death being represented as male and life as female His job is to escort the dead to the Underworld Hades
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they had Gaia, right? Like, you know, kind of the Earth mother. Yeah, exactly Uh,
1: Thanatos' sisters, the Keras Were spirits of violent death They were associated with deaths from battle Disease, accident, and murder Hmm. They were often portrayed as evil, often feeding On the blood of the body after the soul had been Escorted to Hades. Right,
2: because you get Violently killed, like you die in a Violent fashion, so it's usually something nasty has happened to you in order for that to happen. Yeah. I mean, how does anybody die violently, like in a way that wouldn't be considered sort of negative or evil?
1: If they deserved it, I guess. Mm. <laughs> oh, in a, in a uh, that horrible it, rapist it, and murderer got killed violently. <laughs> Yay. So in an action movie, in an action movie, exactly. there, you know, so we need a God of action movie, righteous deaths. Yes. Like violent, go. but righteous deaths. Yeah. We'll call him, we'll call uh, him Arnold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 300 to 600 CE, so uh, Common Era, mm-hmm. after, after Anno Domini, yeah. after Jesus. <laughs> Dullahan from Irish folklore, a headless rider usually seen riding a black horse and carrying his or her head under one arm. So oh. it's either male or female. Well, so this is this is like the, the Headless Horseman it, from to- oh bod Crane. Wait until I'm done. Totally, but it's Headless Horseman even grosser. It's great. The head's eyes are massive and constantly dart about like flies, while the mouth is constantly in a hideous grin that touches both sides of the head. Mm-hmm. The flesh of the head is said to have the color and consistency of moldy cheese. Oh, nice. Oh, um, nice.
0: I love, I love a little death head on my salad. No,
2: you know what you know what I would be worried about if, if uh, this guy showed up at a party, right? Put his head down like on the snack table. It's like, right? oh, cheese ball. And you're not paying attention because you're chatting up some hot chick, <laughs> you right? Grab just, like, you <laughs> grab a just nacho. A chip ball. and you're just scraping some, some... You think it's one of those green cheese balls, yeah. right? That uh, has that wicked awesome like dill outer <laughs> What a great later. party. You're like, and you know, sipping a cocktail, chatting somebody up. And before you know Dude, it... Dude, that's my head. <laughs>
1: it's like, we shouldn't have put it next down to the... Salsa dude. I hate when this happens. (laughs) (laughs) The Dullahan's whip is actually a human corpse's spine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah! I know. The Irish knew how to do this right, and the wagons they sometimes use are made of similarly funereal objects. Candles and skulls to light the way, the spoke of the wheels being made from thigh bones, the wagons covering made of a worm-chewed altar cloth. Oh man, this is awesome! I know this is like the, the, no
2: wonder so much literature has been ripped from the page of this. Like yeah. this guy's like part Ichabod Crane
1: and part Predator. <laughs> this <laughs> totally. is awesome. When the Doolahan stops,
0: explodes at the end,
1: <laughs> if need be. When the dual Hand stops riding, it is where a person is due to die. Its disembodied head is permitted to speak just once on each journey it undertakes and then has only the ability to call the name of the person whose death it heralds. Oh, so, he's now, gotta get out his one-liner. so now we know what happens when you start dipping that nacho into the head. <laughs> <out of> <laughs> it's like,
2: oh, what?
1: There is no way to bar the road against a Dullahan. All locks and gates open on their own when it approaches. Mm. Also, they do not appreciate being watched while on their errands, throwing a basin of blood on those who dare to do
0: so. Oh, <laughs> well, all right, but I've only got four basins on my carriage. So now, so. now we got
2: Ichabod Crane, yep. we got Predator, yep. and now we got Carrie. Yes, thrown in for good measure.
0: Or even I'm Lash- gonna start carrying blood around. Her. Don't you look at me?
1: <laughs> Splash. A full basin, too. Yeah. That's got to be hard to carry while on a horse. Right. <laughs> spilling all over the place. <laughs> you look at me. You're so going to get this basin. What if, what if he
2: has a particularly long journey, and he goes to throw his basin of blood on you, you just get hit by the world's largest scab? Oh. A yeah, you- <laughs> chunk. Then it kills you. Then he calls your name. <laughs> well, he
1: or she does have another option. Uh, he can even lash out the watcher's eyes with their whips. Ah, with the spine whips. Nonetheless, they are frightened of gold, and even a single gold pin can drive a Dulahan away.
0: Oh. However,
1: I'd like to point out that this is a testable claim. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that people covered in gold die just as often uh, as people who don't, uh-huh. if not more. Yes. Get that guy, he's got gold.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, maybe the Dulahan didn't show up until after the gold was
0: taken. In the Aztec world, one of, oh. my, one of my favorite death gods. Is... Well, aren't
2: they all death gods, kind of a little bit? Like, they all sort
1: of, kind of... They all of, dabble in
2: death. Yeah, they're yeah. all death dabblers, aren't they? This guy specializes. They? I'm the god, oh, of, yeah,
1: okay. the god of harvest and death. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm the... the god of slight sunburn and death. <laughs> I'm the god of bubblegum
0: and death. And sacrifice. <laughs> bubblegum and death. <laughs> Miktan T'Kutle. Miktan Kutle. Yes, god of the dead and king of Mictlan, the deepest section of the underworld. Okay, all right. Uh, he was one of the principal gods of the Aztecs, and was the most prominent of several gods and goddesses of death <laughs> and go. the underworld. Uh-huh. The worship of Mikantukutli sometimes involved ritual cannibalism. Surprise, surprise. With human flesh being consumed in and around the temple.
1: Okay. All it's right. Kind of adding insult to death injury. Here's the thing mm-hmm. I mean, he's one of the primary
0: gods. They
2: all have their own temples mm. and priests and worshipers and whatnot. And you know, if you're choosing your principal god, like if you're like, oh, this is going to be my patron god, right. why are you choosing the one with cannibalism folded in for good measure? I always it... wanted to try it. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah? It... Got a taste? It's like smoking?
0: It's like, you, you a, it's know, like
1: why would anybody smoke? Ah,
0: uh, you start, you, and then you get addicted. <laughs> Certainly, I've made up my Dungeons and Dragons character and decided what god to uh, take <laughs> based on my own personal uh, wish fulfillment.
2: All right, so then that god is the guy that gets the guys that want to commit cannibalism. Mm-hmm. I just, can't, I can't see it being easy to get recruits. That must have been. They must have had some real awesome recruiters. Like there must have been. Oh, strippers. And but it'd be
0: like at the, uh, you know, when you go to on Foods or whatever, and they have those little uh, sample tables. Yeah. They would have to go out and say, you want to try some human flesh. Join the co. <laughs> oh, it's
2: Costco? <laughs> yeah. Like standing there with like, the, little, the exactly. little toothpicks. Like, huh? Yeah. And then there's a
1: toothpick bin. First right one's there. free. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> the year uh, 1000 AD, the Maori, we've talked about them in our war episode. Yeah. They have uh, Hine Nue Te Po or Te Pu. I think it's Te Po. Te Pō is a little bit funnier. <laughs> it is. Mm-hmm. She's the goddess of night and death and the ruler of the underworld in Maori mythology. Mm-hmm. Her name means great woman of the night.
0: Because mm-hmm. definitely happens at night.
1: She fled to the underworld because she discovered that Tane, whom she had married, was also her
0: father. Oh. Uh-oh. I gotta, gotta get out of here.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to the underworld because that's uh, to get away from you, creepo. Uh, The red color of sunset comes from her. I guess it's her shame at marrying her dad. Oh, she's blushing? I guess so, yeah. That's her, probably the sun setting is her fleeing to the underworld.
0: What a zany mistake.
1: Who's your daddy takes on a whole another meaning in this relationship? (laughs) Maui, who was a famous hero for the humans for his exploits and trickery, did the last of his tricks on Hine Nui Te Po. I love this. He attempted to make mankind immortal by trying to crawl through her body entering in her vagina and leaving by her mouth while she slept to reverse the path of birth. This is this is where they got the idea
2: for Superman flying around the earth so fast that he reversed <laughs> time. This is the same thing. It's the exact same thing.
0: Alexander Salkine is reading the, the <laughs> uh, mythology text. From or, Maoris. Maori.
1: Yeah. So here's what's great One of Maui's bird friends The fantail Thought that this was so ridiculous Seeing him He turned into a worm to do this Uh huh Squirming to enter the goddess And laughed so hard That Hine uh, woke up Right mm-hmm. And to punish him She crushed him With the obsidian teeth In her vagina uh, yeah, Oh yeah There you go Vagina dentata Making Maui the first man to die Okay In her oh, vagina Okay <laughs>
2: In a vagina? Wow, that's becoming full circle. I guess if he'd managed to get out of her mouth, that would have been a whole other oral tradition.
0: Da 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 da. <laughs> <laughs>
4: it's
1: terrible.
2: <laughs> you think the uh, the whole worm thing is just a little bit phallic too? They got the worm, you got the vagina dentata, you got he's trying to crawl in her vagina and crawl out her mouth. There's something going on here. There's a lot of repressed Maori sexual <laughs> fantasies happening in this story. They
1: also don't understand the full, if the, he thinks reversing the path of birth is vagina up to mouth, <laughs> uh, I wonder how they had any children at all. Yeah, if no all kidding. they if all they did was oral before this happened. They, they're very confused people, wait, wait obviously. A wait a minute,
0: you mean that's not how it works? <laughs> no. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> You've been oh.
1: risking pregnancy all this time, Torin. <laughs> oh, man, I don't want to blowjob. I don't want to get my girlfriend pregnant. Nope. Straight up the old hoo-ha for me. And her sometimes. I don't have a lot of good stories about this, but in Jewish lore, Samael is said to be the angel of death and the chief ruler of the fifth heaven and one of the seven regions of the world served by two million angels. Two wow. million. He was mostly seen merely as, uh, again, a psychopomp, a spirit guide. He was just there to. I'm just here to do the job, mm-hmm. right? Whereas there are other representations of death who go, "No, I've just decided you're gonna die." Mm-hmm. And those are the two different types that we've got here, right? Uh, right. There's the proactive
0: like, and the yeah. One of it's passive. kind of like there's
2: a grand plan sort of thing. There's a you know uh, there's a web. There's a uh, you know destiny. Yeah. You know, there's a plan for the universe. That and, we I'm, can't and I'm understand. just a cog in the wheel. I'm yeah. a cog in the wheel. And, and then some of
1: the spirits are merely just other cogs in the wheel. That's just right. look, it's my job to come here and
2: do this at the appropriate time. And then there's the like a dude looks death in the eye and death says, I'm coming for you, sucker. Yeah. Like Mr. And, T style. Come on, let's play some chess.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Around the, the 18th century Haitian voodoo, Papa Gede and Baron Samedi, spirits of death in uh, that Odd little religion. Yeah. Papageda is supposed to be the corpse of the first man who ever died. So he might be Maui after being chewed up by the obsidian tooth well, vagina. He's certainly a zombie of some kind or another. Right. Mm-hmm. He's actually said to be feared by the other Loa, but it's not exactly evil. What's a Loa? Uh, that would be the, the spirits of the voodoo okay. uh, pantheon. Yeah, the whole voodoo thing is like
2: everybody's tied up in death. Like the whole thing revolves around death. Like it's all... Kind all of death, death, death all the time. All death yeah. all the time.
1: I'm not exactly sure what the difference on Loa is, but it seems to me like they're more spirits than gods and they yeah. can enter people's bodies and make them do things yes. that, that a Loa can ride a person. Yeah, there's a bunch of shit like that going
2: on. Yeah. Like, oh, a, it's all wrapped up in spirituality and spells and stuff like that. And that's why voodoo is so, like, it's got such a magical kind of like, there's real, right. lots of magic and lots of dances and potions and stuff like that. Certainly, if Hollywood has taught me it. I like the fact that Baron Samity means Baron Saturday. <laughs> yeah. It's because it's like, you know that guy
1: parties. Oh, he does. Baron Samdi is usually depicted with a top hat, black tuxedo, dark glasses, and cotton plugs in the nostrils as if to resemble a corpse dressed and prepared for burial in the oh, Haitian nice. style.
2: Yeah, but like he could go to a fancy dress party.
1: In addition to being the Loa of death, he is also a sexual Loa, frequently represented by phallic symbols and is noted for disruption, obscenity, debauchery, and for having a particular fondness for tobacco and rum.
2: Oh, I did not know that Joe had a patron god up until now.
1: <laughs> I don't like tobacco. <laughs> and I haven't been drunk since our alcohol episode. I was skewing more towards debauchery.
3: I'll take the rest of it. <laughs> what is this is I can not see with eyes hands taking hold on me. I am death and none can excel. I'll open doors to heaven or hell. death, can't you spare me over oh, till another year? Oh, oh death, oh, oh, death, please spare me over oh, till another year. Oh, death, someone would pray, couldn't you call some other day? pray the preachers preach Time mercy is out of your I fix your feet so you can't walk I lock your jaw so you can't talk Close your eyes so you can't see This very air come go with me Death I come, take the soul Leave the body and leave it cold Drop the flesh off of the frame. The earth and worm both have a claim. Oh, oh death, oh, oh death, can't you spare me? over we we'll another year. Oh, oh death, oh, oh death, please spare me. over we we'll another year come to my bed, place cold towel upon my head My head is warm, my feet is cold, death is moving up on my soul Oh, death, are you treating me, you my eyes so I can't see You hurt my body, you make me cold, you rule my life right out of my soul Death. Can't you spy me over oh, till another year? Oh, oh death, oh, oh death, please spare me till oh, we'll another year. Oh, oh death, please sit at my age. Please don't take me at this stage. My wealth is all at your command. If you will move your icy hand Young, the richer pearl, like with me, you know. No wealth, no land, no silver, no gold. Nothing satisfy me but your soul. Oh, oh dear In the news, 2012,
1: the Houston Press, Santa Muerte, patron saint of the drug war. Santa!
0: Is it you, Santa? <laughs> Santa, of course. Oh, Santa, you've changed! <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, I think in this case it might, it's oh, just... Oh, oh. <laughs> it's the uh, It's the, the, the Spanish version of saint. Oh. Right?
3: All I've got in my sack is death. <laughs>
2: Santa Muerte. It does sound like a uh, you know like a cartoon character though.
1: Yeah, it's because it's kind of been made up. There yeah. is no Saint Death. What? Hold <laughs> on a second. Again, we talked about how the 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 Mesoamerican and, and all that the, those cultures just really had this firm grasp on death and the worship well, of they death. Have a, they have a Day of the Dead for God's sake, right? And as a matter of fact, the Day of the Dead is kind of where Santa Muerte has come up from it's basically a mixture of the catholic and this this the more ancient uh mayan and aztec type yeah. of beliefs fused together and it's become this new saint santa muerte
2: it's like that sublime song santeria right like that's the kind of that weirdo sort of like proto voodoo slash catholic sort of
1: right. you know thingy thingy that Here's an odd thing. The worship of Santa Muerte is actually condemned by the Catholic Church in Mexico, saying it's invalid. Oh. But the worldwide church under the Pope refuses to comment on the matter. Right. Like, I think because they, they're like, not well, we
2: it. don't want to push people out of the church. Well, or, or you legitimize it by speaking about it. Like they're like almost like this isn't a thing. It's not even a thing.
1: Right. Santa Muerte generally appears as a female skeletal figure clad in a long robe and holding one or more objects, usually a scythe and a globe.
0: Like a Earth globe or just a globe? Der. Let me find. A globe of the Earth. <laughs> Did you just der? I just
1: well, because I don't know. That's my der. I, I don't know. I don't know. It says globe torn. <laughs>
0: just passing by.
2: So, but, uh, okay, because we see this image that we'll obviously put up on the website, ca- uh, com, where it's basically dressed up like the Virgin Mary, yep. only yeah, it's, yeah, a, it's skeleton. a skeleton. Yeah. It's, right. a, it's a it's a zombie Virgin Mary. Santa Muerte is zombie Virgin Mary.
1: You know, we got a lot of people who love the Virgin Mary, but she could be cooler and, like, wickeder <laughs> and awesomer. What if she was
2: also a skeleton?
1: Yeah.
2: Let's that, run with that. That has a scythe and a
1: globe. So now this is in the news. In 2008, police found 11 charred heads near a Santa Muerte shrine in the Yucatan, tended by the Zeta's drug cartel. Okay. Earlier that year, Drug Enforcement and Administration agent Chris Diaz testified that during a wiretapping operation, he heard a Zeta-heavy boast of sacrificing two teenaged rivals to Santa Muerte by slicing open their bellies and offering the blood of one as a toast to La Flaca.
2: So the the Zeta guys, they, they want to kill a bunch of rivals... So instead of just like, you know, busting a cap in their ass, they're like, you know, hauling them out to some altar and opening their bellies and offering their blood to La Flaca and torching their skulls. Right. As a burnt offering. Yes. Right. Charming. <laughs> I think, do you think this is like sort of, they're just hedging their bets? They're like, okay, if I get caught for this, I'm going to end up in court and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to profess freedom of religion. <laughs> this isn't murder, this is freedom of religion. Right. You know, do you think they roll down
0: in the Yucatan? That
2: these are like crocodile tears that these are, you know, this is just uh, some sort of that. If this is like the, the Mexican drug cartel version of the uh, Italian mafia guys showing up in bathrobes and oxygen tanks you know, uh, when they go on trial. So you trial. think it's all a cover? I think it's all, yeah, they know they're being bugged and they're like, oh yeah, Boy. we're going we're gonna to lay this, we're going to lay this, we're uh, insane, you know, plea right. out, in the, out in the world right they, from the get-go.
1: Then they are building up a lot of solid evidence for the insane <laughs> thing because in early 2012, on the side of a highway not far from Monterey, police found the handless, footless, and headless torsos of 49 men and women.
4: 49! Many of
1: which bore Santa Muerte tattoos. That's my lucky number. Oh, forty
2: nine is your lucky number, really? It is now. Uh, the The headless and handless and footless number. Well,
0: but, they needed the heads and the hands and the feet for their stew.
2: I <laughs> have been to Monterrey, Mexico, and I don't remember seeing headless and did headless you drink and the footless. stew? <laughs> I uh, I went for a carne asada at, at this uh, oh, girl's house. Oh, you know, it was if very, you know what I mean. It was a very was, tasty taco. Was there any finger? If in you, you know what I mean. <laughs>
1: Before his death in a shootout with Mexican police in 1989, police found a Santa Muerte altar at the Tamaulipas ranch of Adolfo de Jesus Constanzo, the psychotic, sadistic Cuban-American drug lord who ritually sacrificed at least 16 men, women, and children.
0: So in... the death god is alive and well <laughs> yeah. in Yucatan.
1: Yes. No kidding. One of the people he ritually sacrificed was University of Texas pre-med student Mark Kilroy, who was kidnapped in Matamoros while on spring break.
0: Well, oh. he said, when he introduced himself, he did say, Kilroy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Party! Shots, <laughs> shots,
1: shots, 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 shots of blood. So, yeah, so we've got people wor- literally worshiping and sacrificing to death still in the relatively modern world.
2: And a relatively new death uh, you know, aspect, right? Like yeah. Santa Muerte is not a very old
1: thing. No, it was uh, it's been around for a while, but it was really kept uh, like uh, even in the 20th century was kept very secretive and and kind of like a little mini cult. Uh, but now, uh, very recently, it's come up to become a saint of the outcasts. And it's right. become very popular during Day of the Dead. And it's just starting to latch on more and more people.
2: Well, and this is like, dovetails very nicely with the whole Catholicism. Like, hey, you know what? If you ask for forgiveness, you will always be given it and all your sins will be washed away. And so now what the regular Catholic Church would deem a sin is in sacrificing another human being. Huh. They've now actually wrapped it up and they're like, so I can sacrifice this person and the blood of this innocent person will wash away my sins. <laughs> so, killing to remove the sin of killing. Right. Oh, this is a brilliant circular logic.
1: Oh, yeah. Welcome to religion.
2: <laughs> uh, Catholicism. You had no idea that uh, confession was going to come
1: to this, did you? Pope, I know you're listening. <laughs> uh, strangely enough, that's all I have for In the News for anthropomorphic personifications of death. Should we move I, on to pop culture? I'm not surprised by that, to be honest. In the news, the <laughs> pale horseman showed up in downtown New York shopping
0: for his girlfriend. I won, uh, in high school, I won a costume contest for my death costume.
2: Oh, really? What did you do for your death costume? They made it so uh, superlative. Nothing
0: unusual. Nothing unusual. Just I guess like, all the other ones really sucked. <laughs> How many deaths? But the were bad there? news was a I won a, a Glass Tiger a vinyl album for. Wow. Don't
1: forget me when I'm gone. My heart would
0: break. That's the one. It's a terrible
1: oh. Canadian band. But uh, you know what? That chorus totally
2: dovetails with the death costume. Don't forget me when I'm gone. There you go. Right? It's actually a ballad to death. Who knew how apropos your win was and your costume?
1: Although if you're gone in that way, your heart would probably already be broken. As in not working. Nah, like That's very literal, Joe. Maybe I won for Keeping my- Keeping
0: metaphorical. Maybe I won not so much for the costume, but for the incredible acting. Oh. And, and me killing a bunch of people.
1: <laughs> Besides, do I don't know if getting a, a Glass Tiger album is exactly a win. No that's the thing it's a push it's a push it's even i'm mean, gonna feel so bad when we get an email from like their old lead singers like guys i really liked you <laughs> and i thought caustic uh, soda was
0: cool it's a good
2: problem
1: to have yeah glass tiger wishes they were soda jerks i would love for Glass. you know i don't hate them i said they weren't not ugh. they, they, weren't not s- just, they not were not just they were just doing their best they're not sacrificing women and children in the side of a roadway who cares Let's move on to pop culture. Movies, one of the first with a nice anthropomorphic personification of death, really a trendsetter, would be The Seventh Seal. Uh, It pretty much is the baseline for every other uh,
2: film depiction of death since. When did this movie come out? Uh, What was the actual year? It was in the 60s. 1957. So it came out in 1957. So pretty early cinematic achievement. And it's one of my favorite films of all time. And I know I've spoken about it in the past. And it's just, uh, uh, it's a... It's a triumph of story and writing, and you know it's uh, not
0: just because you're a chess
2: aficionado <laughs> it's not i am I am far from a chess master oh. i've like won chess once my whole life, so uh it uh, <laughs> the chess was not part of it, but I like a very young Max von Sydow mm-hmm. was definitely a big part of the equation. He played the knight who was uh who challenges death to a game of chess in order to stave off his inevitable uh uh reclaiming and being dragged to the afterlife.
0: This was during the Black Death.
2: Yeah, he returns home after uh, the Crusades, uh, one of the Crusades, and uh, uh, his countryside is being ravaged by the Black Death, and as he lands on the shore, death is standing there waiting for him.
0: So one thing I never really understood about this film is how come he can challenge death? Is he like just the first guy who thought about thought to challenge death to stave off the death, or is they kind of a hint- special case? Or- well, they kind of hint at the fact that death might be a little bit bored. Okay, like that
2: death is kind of like you know he sort of has this like, meh. You know, I mean, I'm he doesn't he's claiming, love his job anymore. Yeah, he's the black death has been ravaging the countryside, if, so it's sort yeah. of like he's been he's kind of burnt out. I think I
1: think he's a little burnt out, and I, I think he kind of respects the, the like the guts the of him to do that. I have only watched a little bit of it because I didn't manage to get through the whole thing. I was doing all my research, and yeah. as a as a subtitled movie, it's hard to multitask like I like to do. Yeah, um, but yeah, he basically says, yeah, nobody escapes me or something like that, and oh, Max he... von Sydow goes, yeah, but some people can play for their lives, and the the performance of Dan death at that moment is he's kind of like hmm uh, okay yeah I mean death makes no bones about the fact that
2: Max von (laughs) Max von is merely delaying the inevitable yeah even if he wins at chess he's going to come back for him on another day right yeah but it's just and uh, uh, honestly I think uh I personally think the knight's motivation isn't to actually win the game. It's merely because they get together and they do one move, and then he gets to go on his journey and he gets to go to like the next place, and so it it just staves it off long enough for him to kind of complete, you know, his mission on Earth, sort of thing. Right? Okay. So that, uh, uh, but it's just it's as brilliantly crafted. And if you haven't seen it, you really should run out and see it. Run, don't walk. There's a, there's a Criterion Collection edition of it that's really great and you know all the pretty much all of Bergman's films are on the Criterion
1: Collection I admit that I I'm a little bit uh hesitant to enjoy older movies like I start watching older black and white movies and a lot of them haven't learned what we've learned these days about presentation and stuff and I watched about the first five or so minutes of this of this movie and was just really impressed well I mean how beautifully it was shot the pacing how how they allowed the actors to take time so yeah yeah. I I totally want to watch the full movie it
2: has a lot of strikes against it it's black and white it's subtitled Mm -hmm. you know there aren't a whole heck of a lot of actors in it uh it's very wordy right Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, so it's a lot of
0: things that turn a lot Are of there people, any off? people running away from ex- walking slowly away from explosions.
2: <laughs> no, not a whole heck
1: of a lot of that. No, there will be in the remake, <laughs> the seventh
0: seal by Michael Bay. Oh, uh, the remake will be, or the sequel will be the eighth seal. Yeah, of course. It's gotta be the eighth seal.
1: <laughs> well, they'll do the seventh seal. It will make hundreds of millions right. of dollars and then they'll do the sequel. Yeah. I mean
2: like uh, Ingmar Bergman is still in my mind to this day one of the greatest directors of all time and he's just a master of storytelling and you know you get pulled into it you mm. get pulled into it and you know uh, on the edge of your seat.
1: The way they presented death in that was merely a thin pale like almost white face because it's black yes. and white man in a long, long robe it, with, a, with I, a hood. I mean
2: it is black and white but I bet you they did put like some sort of like theater putty on his yeah. face like yeah, yeah, to give him that bad. very flat white aspect right?
1: Now that is perfectly replicated almost in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, the sequel to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Bill and Ted's Bogus
2: Journey is basically a comedic spoof on the Seventh Seal. Right. Pretty much. So
1: I've got the summary for that. It's, It's a little different, the setup. Yeah. You might be surprised. Yes. Robot duplicates of Bill and Ted go back in time and throw them off of Vasquez Rocks. That's the standard place where Kirk fought the Gorn. And they shoot, oh, out in the right. des- you know, yeah. the big uh, 45 degree angle rocks. Yep. Death arrives and they give him a wedgie to get away. Yep. Uh, eventually they end up in hell and death offers to play a game for their lives. They agree and choose battleship. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah. Classic.
1: And then they win. Uh-huh. And death, who is played by uh, the guy who was one of the characters in Shawshank Redemption. Um,
2: oh yeah. He was one of the, he was one of the good guys. One of the. Uh, William
1: Sadler. That's his name. Yeah, he was the. What was the line he had torn? Alexander,
0: uh, dumbass. That's yeah, <laughs>
1: it. Yeah. If you remember the movie, you remember that guy. Yeah, He gets mad. Best two out of three. <laughs> so they end up playing several games, including Clue, Twister, and some magnetic little football game. And eventually he has to give up. And mm-hmm. part of their deal is he becomes their servant for the rest of the movie.
2: Yeah, he kind of becomes like their Virgilian guide through the underworld, yep. right? Virgilian? Yeah, because in Dante's. Oh. In Dante's like Inferno, in Dante's Vir- Inferno, Virgil is their is their spirit. I've guy. got a
1: Virgilian dollars. <laughs> that's what I thought you meant. <laughs>
2: How many of them are there? Oh, I could totally put Virgilian on my hell money. <laughs> yes, you yeah, could. Yeah,
1: this is for one
2: Virgilian
1: dollars. Yeah, one Virgilian—that's a million virgins in the afterlife. Oh yes, absolutely. Boy, I didn't have to want to rewatch this, so I didn't. But Final Destination actually has kind of an interesting take on death. Mm-hmm. Death is totally like a character in these movies, but is never presented uh, anthropomorphically. There's, yeah. no, there's no person in a mask or in a hood with oh, a side. Oh, but he's vengeful because you never yeah. get away from death. I think these movies are dumb and I don't like them, but I think that was a really good choice. That was, part of the, of a clever the movie premise. good. It's yeah. a clever
2: premise. Yeah. You know, the original working title of it was Flight 180. And final destination, such a better title. Except that now there are sequels.
0: Final destination. Final two? final destination. Final
2: final no, final destination. Re- no really, this is final
0: the... final 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 destination. Yeah, but the... if they'd
2: released it under Flight 180, it would have been Flight 180, Flight 181, Flight 182. I mean, come on. Like if you actually see like uh, crew members walking around with like crew jackets and hats and stuff that say Flight 180 on it. That's actually because that, that was the name of the movie when they were working on it.
1: Right. So for people who aren't aware of Final Destination, uh, a teen has a premonition of his plane crashing and cheats death and saves himself and a handful of friends. Death by is By not going on the By not going on the plane, right. but then uh, death comes for them. You they all You can't do that, you cheaters. The time. Yeah. No, you were supposed to have died on that plane. Take so- it up with the anthropomorphization
0: of psychic premonitions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't take it up with me, it's not my fault. <laughs> uh, 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 uh.
1: Another common trope uh, when it comes to the anthropomorphic personification of death is Death Takes a Holiday, which is the title of the 1934 film, Death Takes a Holiday.
2: Basically, the plot of that movie is the plot of the modern Meet Joe Black. Yeah, isn't Meet it? Joe
1: Black is basically a remake with... A few small changes here and there to modernize it and make it so that it fits current storytelling tropes. Uh, So Death Takes a Holiday. After years of questioning why people fear him, death takes on human form for three days so that he can mingle among the mortals and find an answer. He falls in love with the beautiful young Grazia, the only woman unafraid of him. As he falls in love with her, Duke Lambert, who is also the father of Grazia's mortal lover, Corrado, begs him to give Grazia up and leave her among the living. I'm guessing this is
2: an Italian movie because... (laughs) You know, that's a lot of seriously Italian names in that uh, in that plot description.
1: Death must decide whether or not to seek his own happiness or sacrifice it so that Grazia may live.
2: Hmm. Oh, so it's that whole like Greek thing about oh,
1: do I take this woman to the after to the to the underworld with me? Yeah, Starring Frederick March. It's actually uh, a U.S production. I think Hmm. my guess is that Grazia and
2: Corrado are two of the three main characters? My guess is it's
1: using those names as kind of an homage to Shakespeare, who would often tell Venetian and Italian Uh, type stories. So you'd use those to mean these people... These are the rich people, you know, they live in Italy and have lots of money. I guess in 1934,
2: they hadn't figured out yet that audiences... uh, Or they hadn't decided for the audience that they want to watch people that have the same names as them.
1: (laughs) Are you saying there are no (laughs)
2: Italian-Americans? I'm saying that... uh, in, in uh, the nineteen uh, you know fifties on, you wouldn't get a lot of characters named Grazia and Corrado in a major American relief.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, and yes, it was remade in 1998 as Meet Joe Black with Brad Pitt in the death part. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember not really liking the movie much, but not hating it. But I, I was really interested by Brad Pitt's performance. I thought he was suitably creepy and weird and charming all at the same time.
2: I've been kind of sick the last couple of weeks and Meet Joe Black was on and I watched a bunch of it again. And it's... Just fucking boring. Yeah. It's like two hours and forty-five minutes long. Holy shit. Is way thinking it's the Hobbit or something? Oh god. Like and it's it's not bad. Like there are good parts in it. Like it's kind of interesting. Like Brad Pitt actually plays like an ignorant. Death. Like he plays this kind of like wide-eyed innocent death. Yeah, yeah. Right. So he plays this kind of like cipher, and then it creates this like this corporate intrigue for Anthony Hopkins' character because he's taking Joe Black around everywhere mm-hmm. with him and introducing him to everybody, but he won't tell anybody anything about him. Right. So then they start to think that he's being blackmailed by this guy. Yeah. And it just it just took too long to get anywhere. And then Joe Black falls in love with Anthony Hopkins' daughter. Who's played by Claire Forlani. And the whole time I'm wondering, like, well, why does Claire Forlani like him? Because he plays this, like, total, like, blank faced you know Mm -hmm. that no emotion innocence that she loves she's so uh,
1: used to all these slimy guys i didn't
2: buy into that and Mm -hmm. it was just i just needed to get everywhere way faster than i got there
1: apparently there's a a tv edit for me joe black that's much smaller and cuts out almost all of the shady business stuff in Mm -hmm. the background and the director has changed his name to alan smithy on that version he's he hates it and, and thinks that it's terrible
2: yeah, well, the, the, I remember seeing the two hour and 45 minute version and not thinking that it was that much better. So maybe if it just, you know, just were shorter, that would be awesome. Yeah. You know, so I, I it's one of those, it's inoffensive, but there's no real reason to watch it. Like it's like a five out of 10, right?
1: Right. I, yeah. Five, maybe even a four. I not. Yeah. I wouldn't like if I was on an in-flight plane or something, I might watch it with the headphones on, but yes, I don't know.
2: absolutely. It, it will certainly help you get to sleep. <laughs>
1: A really fun movie that's got a good scene with death in it. Monty Python and the Meaning of Life. Oh, yes, of course. I am death. Played by John Cleese. Mm -hmm. Death arrives at a dinner party, an American dinner party, because of the salmon
4: moose. Mm -hmm.
1: But I didn't have any of the salmon moose. Shut up, you! (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: Mr. Death. He's come about the reaping.
1: (laughs) We used to say that so much when the doorbell rang when we would be playing our (laughs) role-playing games. Ding dong, it's a Mr. Death. We thought we were so funny repeating lines from Monty Python movies. <laughs> and we were.
0: <laughs> I used to get down with the songs. I liked a lot of the songs. For TV shows, there's the cartoon The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. Oh, okay. I've never heard of it. Never no. heard of it. It's mm-hmm. It's been on TV for six seasons between 2003 and 2007. Oh. Okay. All right. The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy follows two children, Mandy and Billy, who, are, okay. who after winning a game to save Billy's pet... Gain the Grim Reaper as their best friend forever. Oh, okay. So, so
2: the Grim Reaper is literally
0: a major character. Yeah, he's like one of the one three. of the three main characters. Okay, yeah. all right. And they get into various. Uh, I only hijinks. I, I had heard it. I had seen parts of it when it was on TV, mm-hmm. uh, but I never watched it. Well, six seasons is pretty impressive for any show, much less an animated one. So last night I just went on YouTube and found the best of. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and how was <is laughs> it? Uh, I would I would consider watching it. Now, there were some. Now it was the best of. It was like, what, like right. a five minute video or whatever, um, but it did have me laughing out loud.
1: Apparently, they won Emmys in two thousand and six and two thousand and seven for outstanding individual achievement in animation. So back to back Emmys right before they get canceled. Yeah, nice.
0: So when back to back Emmys get canceled, that's the lesson we've learned here, yeah. kids. And a video game based in the series was developed and released in two thousand and six. Oh yeah, but they so released a three D fighting game based
2: on the show. Yeah, they release a video game about anything these days, though. But now, does everybody else see
0: Death, or is he invisible to everybody else? Or like, That's uh, a good question. I think, I don't know. I think I don't know. <laughs> okay, we can scratch uh, that on. question. That, that never came up on the best of video.
2: Yeah, because yeah. I'd be interested, like, if, if uh, everybody else was saw him and was scared of him, like, Death Comes a Holiday Style, or, or Death Takes a Holiday Style, or if he's, like, completely invisible to them and they're the only ones that can interact directly with him. Uh, you know, um, uh, the seven seal style. Right. Right.
0: We may never know. Somebody, just soda jerk. Somebody out there, let us know.
1: Let us know. Uh, Don't
0: make us watch the show. <laughs> uh,
1: okay, so television. I have uh, Supernatural. We've mentioned uh, the Four Horsemen have arrived in that television show. Yeah, uh, the death arrival scene is very cool, and we've got that up on YouTube. So I'll embed that into the post for, for this Supernatural. Episode. We're talking about Supernatural. Yeah, the yeah. television show Supernatural. The, they they had the Four Horsemen
2: of the Apocalypse yeah. story arc, and uh, you, the the main characters had to get their rings in order to trap Satan. Okay, right. And uh, so they they had a whole bunch of different sort of misadventures with each character as they came along. What kind of car did he drive? Cause they made a big deal about the Death. cars and the license plates for everybody else. Yeah.
1: Death drives a pale 1959 Cadillac with the license plate. Bye. Bye. Uh, and he wears a I'll ring with that. a white stone. Uh, unlike his fellow riders, Death's powers do not come from his ring. Mm. Uh, he can kill oh. by creating massive storms, tsunamis, and hurricanes, or by using a simple gesture. And he can also apparently resurrect the dead. Ooh.
2: Well, in in, in the uh, in the video, uh, yeah, the, in the video where he arrives, it's very very well shot. It is very yeah. coolly composed. I really like the song that accompanied mm-hmm. it. And yeah, they show his ability to uh, to if
1: cause death. Bumps into a guy. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> According to Bobby, death has been kept restrained prior to the apocalypse, and the last time death was free, quote, Noah was building a boat. Oh, okay. Death is released from his cage in uh, uh, season 5, episode 10, Abandon All Hope, by Lucifer's spell, mm-hmm. and death acts under Lucifer's direction for most of season 5, but resents the archangel's control over him. Mm. And I'm not going to leave any I'm gonna spoil what happens after that.
2: Well, it's, uh, and he's one of these Canadian character actors that has been mm. in a million things. He was like uh, one of the major characters in Hardcore Logo. He was uh, like, he was the, the the rocker that they're actually going on the road trip to see at the uh, end of their Bucky, journey. Bucky. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so Bucky he, hate. Yeah. So he's. He's one of those guys who's been in a million Canadian films over the last 20 years. And yeah. uh, he's just got that really gaunt kind of skeletor look to him that <laughs> sort of lends itself to death perfectly, right?
0: Exactly. One of those
2: guys that probably has like 172 credits
1: or something like that. But, even
0: but he'll never have a starring role.
2: Yeah, he'll never have a starring role and no one will ever know his name. But, uh, you know, he's pretty ubiquitous.
1: Switching over to comics and literature. Discworld, Terry Pratchett's series of fantasy novels set on a world that's a disc on the backs of elephants, which is on the back of a turtle flying through space. Yeah. Death is a parody of several other personifications of death. Uh, like most grim reapers, he's a black-robed skeleton, usually carrying a scythe. His jurisdiction, so to speak, is specifically the Discworld itself. Apparently, there are deaths for every world. Oh, that makes sense. You know, you you uh, you franchise it. Yeah, yeah right. It, you know, I think it's basically treated like that. Uh-huh. And he's a he's a part or a minion of Azrael, the Universal Death. Uh, and Pratchett basically uses him to explore the problems of human existence, uh, but he's become kind of more sympathetic throughout the series. He has a. Mm-hmm. She's either his daughter or granddaughter, depending on what she says, that lives with him in his little death plane, which is a happy little white picket fence house because okay. that's what she likes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, really fun. Uh, lots and lots of occurrences of him throughout the Discworld series. I'm sure there are people who know way more about it than I do, but yeah. I think. Discworld series are just a great, fun, entertaining, funny read. I mean, one of the uh, series
2: that we've mentioned in the past on this, uh, Incarnations of Immortality by Piers Anthony, Mm -hmm. the very first book in that series is On a Pale Horse, the Death one. Right. And it's the best one of the series. Like, if you only read one book in this whole series, that's the one to read. And uh, death can't be killed as long as he has the hood of his cowl pulled up over his head. The story opens up with this isn't much of a spoiler cuz it's like chapter 1 mm-hmm. but it opens up with uh um death showing up at this guy's door as he's about to kill himself by shooting himself in the head, right? He's about to commit suicide and death walks in and uh he kind of pulls his cowl back and goes, "Come on buddy, I got a busy day. Hurry things up. Like don't <laughs> you're going to do it anyway, so just, you know, don't take your time about it, right?" And uh, he kind of looks at death and looks at his gun, and then he points a gun at death and plugs him right between the eyes, right? Nice. He's like, fuck you. And he's not going to shoot myself, I'm going to shoot you now.
1: See, if those teachers did have <clears throat> guns they could have shot death as it came for those children. Yeah, precisely.
2: So like in every other book in the eventual series, the, the, the way that these offices, these incarnations of mortality change hands has something thematically to do with the office itself. So whoever kills death becomes the next um. death.
0: So what happens to death after he gets killed?
2: Uh, that guy goes on to the afterlife, and then he has to take the robes and becomes a skeletal creature and then has to wander the earth. And he, only, he doesn't claim every person. He only shows up for the people who are really on the hairy edge between heaven or hell.
0: Oh, I see. So he's
2: the one who goes in and grabs their soul and then, and then actually weighs it and decides, okay, this is, this, oh. it, you got slightly more sin than, than good, so you're going down. So that's why he doesn't go show up at every death around the world because most it's pretty cut and dried. It's only on the very hairy edge. Okay, And, of course, his inexperience, every time death changes hands, there's an opportunity for Satan to trick him into sending more souls to hell. Oh! Right? Uh, to accidentally, you know, send souls the wrong direction, right? Send good people to hell. So he's trying to take, uh, take advantage of his inexperience.
1: Good Omens, which we've mentioned before, has the Four Horsemen. Uh, Death is one of those apocalyptic horsepersons, along with war, famine, and pollution. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's also known as Azrael, and he has, again, he has the grinning skeletal appearance of the traditional Grim Reaper, and his voice is, quote, I love this, a dark echo from the night places, a cold slab of sound, gray and dead. Oh. So that said, Torn is, yeah, Torn's our voice guy. It's, it's uh, Neil Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. Torn's our voice guy. I have a little uh, snippet here of uh, Death receiving the call okay. to uh, start the apocalypse, and I want Torn, the bold stuff is Death's lines. Okay. To, try and, to try and read and it in a You need to read this as dead. a dark echo from the, the night places, places. A cold, a cold slab, slab of, of sound, gray, gray and, and dead. dead. So what's happened is a delivery man got hired to deliver a message. Mm-hmm. And he said, okay. And then they killed him. Okay. The delivery man turned and looked and saw. At first, he couldn't find the words, couldn't find anything. And then the habits of a working lifetime took over. And he said, a message for you, sir. For me? Yes, sir. He wished he still had a throat. He could have swallowed if he still had a throat. No package, I'm afraid, Mr. Uh, Sir, it's a message.
4: Deliver it then.
1: It's this, sir. Come and see. Finally. There was a grin on its face, but then, given the face, there couldn't have been anything else. (laughs) Thank you. It continued.
0: I must command your devotion to duty.
1: Sir? The late delivery man was falling through a gray mist, and all he could see were two spots of blue that might have been eyes and might have been distant stars.
3: Don't think of it as dying, said Death. Just think of it it as leaving leaving early to avoid the rush. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> That's a great punchline. I love it. That is a great punchline. I uh,
1: you know, I think you can reread Good Omens once a year. It's <laughs> it's a nice quick read. It's, nice. it's 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 beautifully written by both of them. It's now, funny. What's interesting about this is
2: this is the one horseman of the 4 that we've discussed that didn't have like a human aspect. Right. Like war was a journalist yes. and pollution was a lawyer or something. And uh, famine was famine something. Was a they, business
1: person running uh, oh.
2: uh, restaurant chains and
1: yeah, so you, food that had no uh, nutrition at all.
2: Yes, and so you, they all had human aspects, but yeah. death doesn't seem to have
1: any human aspect at all. Because death has another job and right. it's a really big one. He's right. also the most competent of them all. The other ones all have human foibles. Mm-hmm. His incompetence comes to not being able to deal with technology and stuff. He doesn't right. understand how things work because right. he's still kind of ancient. Right. He's
2: like he's stuck in the n- dark ages. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. He carries around a scythe. Right? right? Instead of a machine gun.
1: Now of course that was written by co written by Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman also has his own version of death from his Sandman series of comics. Oh, oh
0: Neil Gaiman and his death obsessions. <laughs> But this was kind of like a goth pixie girl. Yeah,
1: really played up the, uh, like, played to the opposite of how death is normally presented and created a a really nice and fresh uh, view on it. She first appeared in Sandman, Volume 2, Number 8. Volume 2, because there used to be an old Sandman comic book. Right, yeah. uh, And was created by Neil Gaiman and Mike Dringenberg. Uh in the stories, death is both the end of life and a psychopomp, so spirit guide. She yeah. kind of shows up when you're supposed to die. Mm-hmm. And like most aspects of death, she meets with those recently deceased and guides them into their new existence. However, unlike most personifications of death, she also visits people as they are born, according to destruction in the Sandman special. Oh. But only she remembers these encounters. Right. Physically, death is also the
2: opposite to the... So tr- death is your companion from like womb to grave kind well, of thing. Well, she comes
1: and says hello as you come into the world. And, and, and then I'll when be you back leave, for you later. Yeah. And then when you leave, <laughs> she comes to take you on to where you have to go after that. Okay. All right. Physically, she's also the opposite of the traditional Western culture personification of death. She appears as an attractive pale young goth woman dressed in casual clothes, often a black top and jeans. Mm -hmm. She wears a silver ankh on a chain around her neck and has a marking similar to the Eye of Horus around her right eye. Mm -hmm. She's pleasant, down-to-earth, perky, and has been a nurturing figure for both incarnations of dream. So a little, uh, a little kind of nod and a wink to
2: sort of Egyptian uh, death traditions with the Ankh and the Horus.
1: Yeah, yeah. And very much a, look, death is just part of life, and it's not yeah. really something to be feared uh, way of looking at it. Death can be cool. Death yeah. Death can be cool. You don't know. You don't know. Death can totally be cool. Death can be the coolest guy at the party. You don't know uh one day in every century death lives and dies as a mortal in order to understand the value of life she takes she does this oh. by becoming a mortal fated to die that day uh there's a mini series called death the high cost of living where nice. that happens mm-hmm. and at the end she passes away and then the dead version of death that was a mortal meets the death that is the personification of death and right. they talk about what she experienced that day and she was like it was so awesome like got to have a hot dog and did this and just shows how much enjoyment she got out of what was basically a pretty simple and in some ways shitty day right like of course you know being mortal all sorts of mystic players are like oh death is mortal today let's go get her and she's got all sorts of drama that goes on throughout throughout that series so even though terrible things happen she remembers all those good things that happened in that one day of life She like that next generation episode where q loses his powers oh is that what it's like Yep, it kind okay. of is, actually. <laughs> That's a good one. Okay. I got another segue. So we've gone from Discworld, which is Terry Pratchett, to Good Omens, which was Pratchett and Gaiman, to DC's Endless, which was Gaiman. Uh-huh. And DC's death actually made an appearance in the Marvel Universe. What? How is that
0: At the possible? wedding
1: of Rick Jones and Marlo Chandler in The Incredible Hulk number 418. <laughs> oh, God. She hands Marlo a hairbrush, uh-huh. which is a visual pun referring to Marlo's recent brush with death. Oh my god, this is a deep pull. Hold on. Rick Jones. <laughs> uh-huh. Often worked with Captain Marvel to fight the mad Titan Thanos. Right. Yeah. Who worshiped
0: death. That's right. Right. He was in love with death. And he in love <gasps> with him. He wanted to as I recall, he wanted to um impress her. Yeah. So that she would fall in love with him. Right. Mm-hmm. So he went on the Incredible rampage of you know building an army and destroying worlds and getting the Infinity Gauntlet and the Cosmic Cube and all the rest of that.
1: Yeah, he wanted to prove his love for death by destroying all life in the universe. Yeah, there you go. Spoil a little bit of a possible upcoming spoiler alert for those of you who have seen Are Avengers. G-
0: did I just slip into a
2: game of Three Degrees of Neil Gaiman? We Is kind of just did. happened yeah, to yeah, yeah.
1: here right now. Like, I did
2: not know that. That's what we should retitle this episode to Three Degrees of Neil Gaiman. We should get that guy in the
1: show sometime. <laughs> An elaborate storyline in the title Captain Marvel showcases Thanos' scheme to conquer the universe as the character becomes determined to prove his love for death by destroying all life. As mentioned, yeah. although Thanos obtains the artifact, of the Cosmic Cube, and succeeds in taking control of the universe, death abandons the character when he is defeated by the combined might of Captain Marvel, Drax the Destroyer, and the
0: Avengers. Oh, Drax the Destroyer! No. Do you have a Drax the Destroyer hero? Clicks. I've seen it. It's probably pretty good, I we would guess. Get, Isn't oh, he kind
1: of like ridiculously unstoppable? Yeah, and there's a
2: Thanos that's like ridiculously unstoppable. Mm-hmm. There's like a bunch... like it, The the thing with Heroclix, is it started out in the very first couple of sets. There was a lot of like, very, you know, kind of regularly powered characters and, you know, every once in a while, a very unique, like powerful guy that would prop up. And now, like, you know, there's whole sets that are just stupid, powerful characters, right? Right. So it's like, you know, I mean, uh, you can play these... You know, cosmically. You
0: With know, like 5,000 points worth of characters yes, or whatever. Yeah. exactly.
2: And you, you can play those games. And I know that there are there are tons of people who do play those games and probably love it or whatever. Those are the least interesting to me because it just comes, when you've got these like mega powerful characters, all the strategy of the game kind of goes out of the equation. Because they got you the maximum. Hit? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They got the maximum amount of range. They have maximum amount of damage. They have maximum amount of everything. And it just comes down to who rolls better. Yeah. Whoever rolls better is going to win the game. Right. Whereas, you know, if you play all these like you're fighting minor versus characters,
0: Wolverine and some yeah. shield agents thrown in there. Yeah,
2: exactly. Like there's shield yeah. agents running around. Like you know, shield sniper is actually pretty effing good if you're playing <laughs> these like low point games because she she's got stealth, which means you can't see her from a distance, and she's got like uh, she can do a lot of damage with her sniper rifle, right? So it's you know, anyways. Uh, I don't, I'm in favor of those uh, big, 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 ridiculous point games. Is there
1: a death in Heroclix, an actual representation of death in Heroclix?
0: Not that I've ever seen.
1: Soda Jerks, let us know.
0: But you, can you play the uh, angel version of death from the apocalypse version? There is Archangel. There you go. Archangel exists. That's right. Yeah, that's his name. Archangel. Yes. Because as we mentioned in one of the other episodes, the first one, I think, of the Four Horsemen series, Apocalypse, the character. Turn those mutants. Yes. He turns a bunch of mutants into his horsemen. Yeah, that's right. Including he turns Angel. Yeah,
2: yeah,
1: including Angel who had lost his mutant wings, yeah, which were all feathery.
2: M- that's right. Mutant massacre storyline. Yeah, and we uh and they plugged in those uh those those wings that could shoot those razor sharp blades. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Ugh. He just became like a let rep- let's make he became this, a nineties uh, yeah.
0: gritty character. Although yeah.
1: In his defense he did not have pouches or huge shoulder pads. <laughs> it's so, true. So but he did have weird lines on his face and out body the, that out didn't of the make four sense. four
2: Horsemen of the Apocalypse, he was by far the best one. Yeah. By far.
1: But, which is not saying much. No,
2: it's not saying it's much. It's a
0: really at all. bad storyline. I yeah. was
1: reading I was collecting at the time and I was, I was like as well. and I was going, "Really?"
0: Yeah. Uh, I agree with you 100%. Yeah. Also in the Marvel universe there was a Thanatos. Yeah. There was a Thanos yeah. and a Thanatos. Yeah. Yes. Thanatos or Thanatos? However you like. All right. Uh, Personification of death. Thanatos
1: or Thanatos. I looked it up. Oh. Ha ha. Point Leeson.
0: Personification of death, uh, responsibility of escorting the souls of the dead in the underworld. Uh, When he materialized in the presence of the Avengers, that's the first time we saw him, Mm -hmm. uh, Hercules and Athena were engaged in a battle with Hera and a bunch of other Olympians. Mm-hmm. And uh, Thanatos announced that one amongst them was going to die by the completion of their battle. Oh, and who was <gasps> it? Spider. It was Zeus and Hera. Oh, that's two. Yeah. yeah. Well, we didn't. Miss At them. least one that's, among that's
1: us. That's good <laughs> writing. <laughs> Look, I didn't say it wouldn't be two. I
0: just said one. Uh huh. <laughs> and then the other one I didn't know about. That's As a bonus. Yeah. Bonus. That's gravy on the biscuit. There's another comic coming out, which I've seen in the previews magazine. Oh. Okay. Called. East of West, East of West. So here, mm. okay, yeah, it is a sci-fi western set in a dystopian America, where all hope for the future rests in the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Oh, who just happened to be trying to kill the president of the United States. Oh, I, that sounds interesting. It does sound <laughs> it's interesting, very random plot. Yeah. So uh, the Four
2: Horsemen are trying to kill the president. Yeah, in a dystopic western future. Yeah, kind of like a
0: post-apocalyptic uh, western.
2: Yeah. Okay. All right. It
0: it's, sounds good. It does sound interesting. Yeah. I, well, the, the art fact, I've seen looks very interesting. Except for the fact that I don't really
2: see how the president can stop the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Well, that he's probably, beyond the things.
1: There, there's got to be something on his side keeping him alive, like oh, something maybe he's probably a,
2: evil. Uh, maybe he might be a little Lucifer assisted. Mm. Got it. Okay. So that's on
0: sale in March 2013.
2: I'm gonna have to check this out. Is it a series or is it a graphic
0: novel? What is it? It is a series, I believe. Okay.
1: All right. Cool. Cool. I mentioned in our war episode, the video game Darksiders, where Uh you play as the Horseman War. That art looked pretty cool. It's beautiful art. Uh, I thought the game was good. It was, it's kind of a hack and slash. Well, as war, you would hope it's mostly hack and slash. In Darksiders 2, the sequel, which came out uh, late last year, you play as the Horseman Death. Oh, up in the ante. Yeah, I had a chance to actually grab this before. I'd only heard of uh, Darksiders being the Horseman War Mm -hmm. just before we did the show. So I've been actually playing Darksiders 2 for the past week a little bit on and off. It's really fun. Uh, I I like it. It is also hack and slash. You've got Mm -hmm. like dual scythes that you hold behind your back and do these awesome, you know, total kickflip slash people, combo moves and stuff like that. But you end up in this really beautiful fantasy world with uh, some really creative characters, some excellent artwork, some excellent voice work. Uh, You level up your character and you choose new abilities. So you can choose to be a guy who summons zombies to help you fight, or you can just be like awesome with your weapons or however you want to do it. You get new items and upgrade. It's fun. Okay. Uh, and I got Darksiders 2 and all the DLC and Darksiders 1 on Steam for like $15 during a holiday Steam sale. So totally worth it. Okay. The
0: story I heard from my coworker, Aaron, mm-hmm. uh, who. Brought into work a giant book on the art of Darksiders two. Okay. Okay. Was that the company had spent so much money making it look totally gorgeous and all that all that bells and whistles that they couldn't possibly make it back that they just went under and there will be no more. Th- th- there will be no Darksiders three. Yeah. They
2: went, they went under developing the title. Yeah. I can
0: wow.
1: I can believe it. I mean, it's I've been really impressed with how beautiful it looks. And I mean, the gameplay again, it's hack and slash and you're moving around and fighting things. But for me, when I play these games, a big part is really just what's the story they're going to tell me while I'm doing yeah. part of it. Yeah. And I, I'm really enjoying the story. I'm not finished yet, but uh, okay. I, if you can find Darksiders 2 for cheap, go for it. I just hate that name. Darksiders. It's yeah. terrible yeah dark side it sounds like what was that uh <laughs> remember it's dark sided the uh wife swap uh, where the fundamentalist christian went to live with the pagans and no she came what you're back talking about <laughs> okay we're going to include this video <laughs> uh this this hugely overweight crazy christian woman got wife swapped to go live with. oh you mean that reality show yeah it was wife a reality swap. show wife swap yeah okay. and she comes back yes, and all she can this. say is they're dark sided they're dark they're in league with satan <laughs> And so whenever I hear darksiders, all I can hear is her dorksided. Ugh. <laughs> it was out of her mind.
0: Well, That's not their fault. <laughs> I have a segment here called Chess with Death. Chess with Death. Okay, so this is a Seven Seal reference. Yeah, I've looked up, uh, thanks to t- uh, TVTropes.org, mm-hmm. oh, good. the Chess with Death. In uh, popular culture.
2: Oh, so we're going to figure out right now how influential Ingmar Bergman was in popular culture. Okay, I like
0: this. Uh, Of course, uh, back to Marvel Comics, the cosmic villain, the Grandmaster, who is obsessed with games. Yeah. I think he was one of the elders of the universe, I believe. Okay. Uh, He especially enjoyed using humans as pawns. Oh, like in a giant human-sized chessboard. Exactly. Yes. Um, Very cinematic. In uh, one occasion, he challenged Death herself in order to get back his dead brother. He won, but had to die in his place. Oh, that's kind of a raw deal. Yeah. And, of course, there's a seventh seal in Talisman. Mm-hmm. playing chess in one of the random events that happen when a player character encounters the Grim Reaper non-player character. Okay. Uh, and in terms of game mechanics, this simply results in the player in question missing their next turn. Is Talisman so you an... just have to imagine all the drama that's happening is, in your... Yeah. Is Talisman an RPG or what is it? Is it a board game? It's, it's a board game. game. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's all a right.
1: board game, but you get a... Ra- uh, I think it's random. You get a character that you play. So mm-hmm. you can play monk or knight or bard or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so the abilities you have and the way that you do combat as you move around the board is different each time you play okay so it's, there's a little aspect of role-playing to it and you do level up your guy and he gets better at fighting and you yep. get items okay. and things like that but right. it's a board game but there, there, sort
2: of role-playing if game. you run into the grim reaper you can play chess with death
0: yes yeah in order to keep from being killed you just lose a turn okay play chess
1: with death miss your
0: turn it's a very Got epic it. game that is incredibly hard to win yeah <laughs> okay and the winning is and all the crazy stuff that happens, winning is basically just a random card draw at the end. Oh okay. that's if
1: you have the expansion, yeah. yeah. And and one of the random cards could be bottomless void. So you're the first to finally get to the center of the board which is the to goal to defeat of the, the bat, game. Yeah. To get to the goal of the game. You flip over the card that's there, bottomless void, you're dead. So and then there is no winner? No, then and another the card person. goes there. The okay. next person gets a different random card.
3: Okay. So basically,
1: wow. whoever won doesn't win just because of randomness. It's a fun game. It's, okay. You're never going to play it competitively in some kind <laughs> okay. of tournament setting, but it's uh-huh. totally fun for a bunch of friends to sit around. Yeah.
0: Darkwing Duck dies in a motorcycle accident because he refused to wear his helmet in the heat of pursuit. Oh, That's wow. a good moral message. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Eventually, he challenges the Grim Reaper for one more hour in the world of the living so he can defeat the criminal he was chasing. Uh, Paid for by the uh, Helmet Association of America. (laughs) I guess so. Uh, The game, Darkwing simply had to do something that Death can't do. He does a cute finger trick with his hands. Death lacking necessary muscles, tendons, and other body parts. Fails to copy him. Gru the Wanderer once had a sword fight with Death.
1: I I can kind of guess how that turned out knowing Gru. Mm -hmm. Gru won. Yeah. yeah, Yeah.
0: Got it. (laughs) I loved Gru the Wanderer when I was a kid. Yeah, Yeah, me too. Mike was a big fan. Had a bunch of titles. A Halloween themed episode of Benson <laughs> <laughs> involved Benson. Okay.
1: I, I think most of our crowd will not know what, <laughs> what Benson, Benson is, is. So we had better describe uh, what Benson Benson was a sitcom
2: from the was it the late seventies or early eighties? Good question. It was it was in that range.
1: It was I uh, was getting nineteen seventy nine was when it started.
2: Oh yeah, I called it. So, from the late 70s to early 80s, it was a spin-off of another sitcom called Soap. Right. And uh, he was the butler to the yeah. state's governor. Benson was this smart-mouthed black guy who would, like, kind of jive talk all the white people who worked there. That's
0: right. And Rene, who did Rene Aubergenois, also known as Odo on uh, D- Star Trek, Deep Space Nine. Sorry, Clayton Endicott III. What was his character? Uh, he was Ooh. the chief of staff. Okay. There you go. <laughs> Anyway, so uh, Benson <laughs> challenged Death uh, to a game of Trivial Pursuit, waging, wagering his life against that of the person Death actually came to collect. Wow. It goes to show you how long ago it was back when Trivial Pursuit was like yeah, a, exactly. like that big hot new game, <laughs> right. right? 1982 or whatever it was. He wins because Death just hasn't been keeping up with popular films. Ch- <laughs> Charles Bronson was the, was uh, the, winning, uh, answer? the winning answer. winning uh, answer. Charles go. Bronson? <laughs> <laughs> And one man had the audacity to play lawn darts with death. Call back to our Toys That Kill episode. Yes. Closing the circle. That man is the comic book character Flaming Carrot. Does he
1: win of by course. lobbing the, the lawn darts into death's eye? I don't, yeah. <laughs> I
0: don't know how it actually turned out. I heard out.
1: these things were lethal.
0: <laughs> so here's the question to you guys then. If you had to play a game with death, oh. what would that game be? Oh, i got to
2: think of something that I'm really good at. Yeah, exactly. It'd be Scrabble. i will be Scrabbling for them.
0: Oh, what would be the winning word? Uh, my
2: winning word? Oh, well, <clears throat> I'm really good at, like, here's the thing. I'm good at bingos, right? But it's like... It's I, a bingo. That's when you play all seven letters at once. It gives okay. you 50 bonus points. Right. I'm very clever at those. My trick is, mm-hmm. I hope none of my opponents Uh-oh. are listening. The trick of the trade is... Your strategy. Is, your strategy is, is that I try and get a letter, an I-N-G... Right, because then because tons of words end in ing. It's true. So then you're only trying to figure out how to make a four letter word instead of a seven letter word.
0: But you have to use all your. Oh, you want the ing not
2: on the board, but in your in on my rack, right. right? So then I'm only trying to figure out how to make. So I don't know what that first four letters would be. I can almost guarantee you that the le- that the word of the game would end in ing. What a... say? <laughs> What's the seven-letter word that has to do with death that ends in or, or I- Defeating en-g. death? Uh, yeah, let's see. Uh, how about, uh, um, uh, you know... Uh, uh. Smiting. <laughs> yeah, precisely. It would be something like that. Okay. What about you, Joe? Or, but I'd have the letters for smiting, and I'd probably have to do it misting in order to get the S in the middle to like join uh, up with another word. Oh, right, word. yeah, yeah, right. misting. It okay. would probably end up, I would want to play smiting, but end up playing misting. For the point. Yeah, for the point. <clears throat>
1: Here's the thing. I used to be. There used to be a bunch of games, especially video games, that I would be like great at. There was a time during the early days of Counter Strike when I would take on anybody in that game, including death. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah. Listen, if if death showed up and said you can count play Counter Strike against me for immortality, you would have done it in a heartbeat. It's like you will either die the next, you will die if you lose, or if you win, you will be immortal. Yeah.
1: Me me and the guys that I lived with had a Counter Strike server in our closet. Like in this house, and it was hooked up to the internet. So we had our own local server to play on constantly where we could kick cheaters off of. And all we did all day was play that game. Like, how, do you,
2: how do you cheat at a video game?
1: Well, you can put hacks on so that it auto aims oh, okay, and right. shit like that, yeah. right? What's the point of winning a game if you have to cheat? Well, I unless agree, it's death. 100%. If, if the point is to live, then yes. But, <laughs> but I mean, just playing games. And I like I look back on how good I was at counter-strike back then. And it was, it was scary how good I was. Like there were literally moments that were cinematic where I would stop and there would be bodies all around me. And I would be like, how did I just kill everybody in the other team and survive? And it was because I knew exactly where they were. Like, I, I just could feel that I know that they must be around the corner. You were strong
0: with the force. Oh, wow. Yeah,
1: oh, I just played it so much. You were like Neo in the just, Matrix. It totally was, man. <laughs> totally. Like, I had guys going, how did you know I was around that corner? Because I would turn the corner and shoot them in the head like that. And it wasn't reflexes. I just knew, well, if you're going to put the bomb somewhere and you didn't go the other way because I looked over there, then you must have gone this way. Which you means used by game now logic. You, well, just, but instinctively. But yeah. here's the thing. I played Counter-Strike a while ago. I am not that good anymore. Mm, I wow. am not at all good at Counter-Strike.
2: Practice makes perfect. So
1: my choice is rock, paper, scissors in the hope that I get lucky. Okay.
2: Wow. Yeah, there you go. Random chance. You know, you're just flying in the face. There's a book about how to win at rock, paper, scissors.
1: Maybe I'll study that before <laughs> I die.
0: <laughs> good call. I think I'd have to go with Dungeons and Dragons, homebrew, long campaign. How do you win? No, exactly, you don't. exactly. You don't so pull the seven seal. You just want to. I'm not
2: actually trying to win. I'm just trying to stretch this out as exactly. long right. as you yeah. really possible. Okay, it's like seven years later. That's you're today's like... session. See you in two weeks. No, <laughs> Precisely. You keep playing until death gives up. He's like, forget it. You're, I'm right, you're level thirty-five. <laughs> yeah. There's
1: some artwork we need you to do is to draw you at the age of five hundred and twelve, wasting away, playing D and D with death. Going. I'm not ready to die yet. See you next week. (laughs)
0: yes I think I am DMing death no, you gotta be a you gotta be a player. You can't. DM well, who's gonna death. be the DM then? Who's gonna... Death will be the DM. No, no.
1: Or, or... Roll
4: to save or die.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Damn it!
0: No, I got those cheater dice you can buy with two twenties and no one. <laughs> no, or or you you roll up and you're like, I just hang out in the tavern. <laughs> <laughs> a group. There's a sign on the post that says Adventures Wanted." I pass by. <laughs> yeah, I keep walking. I don't do I don't do anything. I start
1: investing in adventuring gear and become wealthy beyond my wildest <laughs> dreams. A wealthy merchant. Then become... I hire all the adventurers to keep me alive. The yeah. cleric to resurrect me should I ever die. You yeah,
2: you basically create an NPC life around you. You like start mapping out your own NPC <laughs> lifestyle so you can and then you hire other adventurers to do your adventuring for you. And then I poison them all. And
0: take their gold. <laughs> yes. Because we're playing basic edition, so the more gold you have, the more experience points you have. So yeah. That's how we win.
1: <laughs> you just have a pit trap at the front of your shop.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it just filters out. It's a grid at the bottom. So the body stays and the money goes filter through. <laughs> <laughs> it's a money do you call it your money sieve?
4: Yeah. yeah. It's such a weird feeling to know you're alive. It's an awful
3: feeling, you're dying inside. And when
0: you wake up, startled to say, I hope I don't go crazy today. It's a bad feeling, an ominous
4: feeling, a feeling you know that we'll be back
0: when the week is new. And we'll have more gross facts for you. And you'll have things you want to hear about. We will too.
1: Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson while undergoing buckyball therapy. To comment on episodes, make donations,
2: and for links, images, videos, and show notes, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Rate and review us on iTunes. Visit us on Facebook. Tweet us on Twitter at Caustic Podcast.
1: Or email us at info at Caustic
4: Thanks for
0: listening. You should watch it.
1: What is? It? I don't. Is it? It's a movie. It's,
0: it's yeah. It's an old timey movie. Yeah. Um, that we mentioned movie.
4: in the alcoholism episode uh, yeah, we yeah, talking yeah. about the delirium. I don't remember that, that episode. <laughs> <laughs>